There are a bunch of people that like to call other people snowflakes, but the second they get offended, woo, look out, look out. I just said, boomers, I'm done with you. You're an irredeemable generation. And it made some people very unhappy. So let's talk about it. So my my post out of frustration over student loan forgiveness and the screaming of boomers in anger of student loan forgiveness caused me to really consider some things I had been thinking about for quite a while of generational wellness, generational curses, generational mindsets really is what I'm talking about. And so my post was, boomers, I'm done with you. You are an irredeemable generation. And it made some people very unhappy. Of course, it made many right-wingers unhappy because right-wingers are the top snowflakes we have in America today. But some people of sincerity were like, hey, that's not you. That's not your heart. Are you okay, brother? Hey, that's not you. I'm worried about you. What's wrong? You must be hurt. The truth is, when I say I'm done with you, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sick and disgusted with some people. But that doesn't mean it's wrong. And by the way, it also doesn't mean what's happening is not biblical. See, I think people sanitize the Bible to meet their own story. And we have a lot of people today saying, I want to be the righteous center. We have so many crazy people on the right-wing extremist. The reaction of some is like, well, I want to just be the nice person. I'm going to claim that I'm the center. Everybody wants to claim they're the center. I'm exactly in the right. I'm the holy middle. Well, I have, uh, let's turn it a little bit because letter from Birmingham jail, Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. King didn't praise the middle. He said, you're the problem, people in the middle. The white moderates, he said, you who want to be saying, wait for the right time, just be kind, be loving. He said, you're the problem. And so if I say to you, boomers, I'm done with you. You are an irredeemable generation. And your response to that is, well, not me. Now, some of you, I will give great credit to. You said, I'm not that type of boomer. I'm a boomer, but I still believe in passing generational wealth onto our kids. And there's something wrong with my generation. I have all the respect in the world for that. But if your reaction was, that's not me. I'm offended. That's not me. Then I'm going to say, check your heart. Why are you resistant to hearing something different coming your way? Why are you resistant to hearing? Jesus once said, to a group of believers and followers of his, 
eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he didn't give them the option of hearing that statement clarified. He just sat there and watched them leave. He sat there and heard some of them saying, I'm worried about you, brother. You're saying offensive things. Sometimes it is time to say offensive things. And the Bible often talks about generational mindsets, principalities, curses. The, in fact, I say often, not often, most of the time, the judgments of God are on people, groups, and generations. And because we read the Bible with such an American mindset and the, the American mindset of like, this is all about the individual. This is all about me. This is all about self. We miss that the Bible almost universally judges people in people groupings. And I will show you how that is true. And so if you're saying, it's not all boomers, then I want to challenge you to start to look at the Bible and say, are the judgments of God individual or on people groups? Take Sodom and Gomorrah, for, an, for instance. Not everybody is bad in the town, but, but there it goes. So let me explain some into what I've been studying in the Word, and thank you all who are saying hi and all of those things. And I will stop and answer questions in a bit, but let me share what's on my heart to share. And one of the, the things for me in this is I like to be liked, and I want to be able to share a message that people say, oh, what a sweetheart you are, Paul. What a what a loving man. What a, what a hope-filled, loving man. But then I'm not the teacher I'm supposed to be. I want to say things to tickle your itchy ears, but sometimes it was tough for me to grow my church as a pastor because I didn't always say things that the consumeristic Christians liked. And today I'm telling you that it would be really easy for me to say, oh, you're right, it's not all boomers, but then I would be derelict to what I see, which is a generational mindset that Xers, millennials, and Zers need to see so they don't fall into the same trap. And let me explain a little bit. So this is part of what I feel like is sort of my purpose and message of the season, and it comes from the book of Ezekiel in the Hebrew Bible, what Christians have absconded for themselves and called the Old Testament, but it is truly the Hebrew Bible. And this just resonates with me, uh, and, and I don't sit here and say, uh, this, is, this is God's message that this is me, but it resonates with me as to where I am and what I'm trying to uh, share with the world. And so Ezekiel 3 verse 4 says this, I'm going to read uh, this passage just a bit. It says, then the voice from heaven, from the spirit of heaven said, son of man. And isn't it interesting? Son of man is a term said to Ezekiel, a human being. And it is the name that Jesus adopted for himself, son of man, which we could take and start to argue about Trinity and all this other stuff. But so God, the spirit of heaven says 
to Ezekiel, son of man, go to the people of Israel and give them my messages. I'm not sending you to a foreign people whose language you cannot understand. No, I am not sending you to people with strange and difficult speech. If I did, they would listen. But the people of Israel won't listen to you any more than they listen to me for the whole lot of them are hard-hearted and stubborn. Now, let me stop here. So do you think all the people of Israel were like, well, it's not all of us in Israel. It's not all of us. If you say all of us, God, then you're wrong because some of us are good. Do you think every person in Israel was hard-hearted and standing against God? Or was God talking about a mindset that had overtaken the group of people? So if you are one of those people who wants to say, you shouldn't say all, Paul, because some of us aren't like that. Let me challenge you to read your Bible and think about what it says. For God says here um, that the people of Israel won't listen to you any more than they listen to me. For the whole lot of them are hard-hearted and stubborn. Now, this is what God then says to the son of man, Ezekiel, and a little bit of what I feel like is sort of the story for me in this season. The spirit of heaven says to Ezekiel in verse eight of Ezekiel chapter three, but look, I have made you as obstinate and hard hearted as they are. I have made your forehead as hard as the hardest rock. So don't be afraid of them or fear their angry looks or their patronizing messages to you. Don't worry about it because I've made your forehead as hard as the hardest rock. So don't be afraid of them or fear their angry looks, even though they are rebels. Then he added, son of man, let all my words sink deep into your own heart first. Listen to them carefully for yourself. Then go to your people in exile and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And then it, at the end of this passage of Ezekiel 3, it says, Then I came to the colony of Judean exiles in Tel Aviv beside the Kabar River, and I was overwhelmed and sat among them for seven days. So here is a message from heaven, from God, saying, I'm not sending you to people who will hear your message. I'm sending you to hard-hearted people. And I'm going to make your head harder than theirs. So when they give you angry looks or send you angry DMs and tell you, I'm worried about you, brother, that you're going to be able to say, great, worry about me, wonderful, but you're wrong in what you're saying about me. And and by the way, in the passage, God goes on to tell Ezekiel, um, I'm delivering a message of judgment to a people group. And if you deliver the message and they don't hear you, or, or if you don't deliver the message, then the judgment will be on you. But if you do deliver the message and they don't hear you, then the judgment is on them and not on you. I am, I believe, delivering a hard message from the spirit of heaven in this season. And it's that the boomers, for a whole lot of reasons, became a very, very selfish generation, what I call a Hezekiah generation. Hezekiah was a king that we read about in the Hebrew Bible that uh, sinned against God. And God came and said, you know what, Hezekiah, I'm going to put the penalty of your sin onto your children. 
And Hezekiah said, awesome. I'm not going to have to pay the price for my sin. My children and grandchildren are. And Hezekiah then is cursed throughout the Bible as being somebody who didn't care about future generations. And that is what the boomer generation has become. Trillions and trillions of dollars of debt because of military buildup and social security, not giving a darn about kids. And, and just the moment when we're commanded by the Bible to pass wealth down to the third and fourth generations, that our wealth should bless our great grandchildren who will never know our name. The boomers have said, hell no, God, we want to keep it all for ourselves. And then I always hear boomers saying, well, that's not me. Be nice to a generation. Now, this is the message to the hard-hearted people of a generation. And irredeemable then becomes, as we see in the story of Pharaoh and the plagues of Egypt, the Bible says Pharaoh hardened his heart on the first few plagues. Then it says Pharaoh's heart was hardened on the middle set of plagues. And then at the end, it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he had reached an irredeemable point. I believe it's, I believe it's say, true for uh, Donald Trump. I, I think Donald Trump is who he is because he had a horrible father and a horrible childhood. Donald Trump is a man who needs a hug worse than any human being uh, in the history of America. But he's made choices to be where he is and then no longer can turn from that after a while because it, it, we may say uh, ax axiomatically from the Bible, now God is hardened, hardening his heart to where he is and hardening the hearts of a generation that follows him out of their own selfishness. So this is where the Bible talks about generational mindsets or principalities that you have adopted something. And so if you're somebody who says, well, that's not me, great then stand with me against a generational mindset that says we want everything for ourselves and we don't care about helping future generations. Stand against that mindset with me instead of saying, Paul, there must be something wrong with you because you're saying mean things. It is my job to say uncomfortable things, even if, as when Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, people walk away. And as the spirit of heaven told Ezekiel, I'll make your head harder than theirs. I tend to have a pretty hard head. And so I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And if it doesn't make you happy, and if you, as some people did, you end your subscriptions and tell me what a terrible person is, that's okay. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. And I'll take that for myself because I know what I'm sharing is important and true. So where else do we see this? The Bible talking to people groups. Um, we see it in Jesus. Let me go to Matthew chapter 11. Jesus did the exact same thing. He spoke to people groups and gave curses to the people groups. My favorite in Matthew 11 verse 23, Capernaum was a very, very religious city. The, the Bible records more miracles of Jesus in Capernaum than in any other city. Capernaum was Jesus' headquarters for the most part in his memory, a very, like my town of Fresno that I live in, a very religious city. Jesus wants to release us from religious bondage. Just let me throw that side right in. A very religious city. And what does Jesus say? He says, 
Uh, and you, people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in Sodom, it would still be here today. And I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on judgment day than you. So was Jesus hurt? Was Jesus missing, like standing in the, the spiritual happy middle? No, Jesus was calling it out. Was everybody in Capernaum a terrible person that deserved a greater, a worse judgment day than Sodom? No, that can't possibly be true. Just like when Jesus said of Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, did everybody in Jerusalem have killed a prophet? When he said, if, if, a, if a nation, if a tree no, no longer bears fruit, cut it off at the roots and throw it in the fire. Is he saying every person in the nation of Israel? Or is he saying metaphorically a mindset, a principality that has taken root in a generation must be called out and dealt with so that it doesn't pass on to future generations? And he says to the religious city of Capernaum, Sodom will have a better judgment day than you. Jesus wasn't foolish and being mean to call out all people of Capernaum. He should have, he should have said, you Capernaum, except for you good ones, you, you Sadducees, except for the good ones out there. Jesus never once said, hey, religious people of my religious sect, here's what I see that's wrong with you. But to be fair, let me also talk about the Romans and Samaritans as well. We never see that in Jesus' ministry. He knows who he's called to speak to, and he speaks to them. I know what my message is and who I'm to speak to, and I'm speaking it. And so if you say, oh, well, brother, you sound a little hurt. No, I know who I am and what I'm supposed to speak. And I'm following the model of how Jesus taught. And Jesus and God and the Bible consistently talks to people in people groups. We are corporately responsible for the heart of our culture and our generation together. And we don't get away with saying, well, I'm going to go to heaven one day because I said a sinner's prayer. So I can try to help a few people, but culture can go to hell in a handbasket. No, because the corporate judgments of the Bible are on people groups and generations, and you can't get away with the cop out of saying, but I'm okay. I'm okay. It's not my church that's like those right-wing crazies out there. No, the Bible doesn't give you room for that cop-out. American Christianity has made the Bible an individualistic only performance. I say the magic prayer, and really, no matter what I do at the end of the day, I'm going to heaven. That's not the Bible. Jesus said very clearly, if you didn't feed the poor, clothe the naked, visit the prisoner in prison, he was going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. But I said the magic prayer, Jesus. I never knew you. The teachings of Jesus aren't displayed in your life. And right now, boomers, God bless you. I have so many of you I love, but the but the, the heart of Jesus is not on display in your generation. And I want to tell Xers particularly, because that's what I am. We cannot follow that model. 
at least not if we want our culture to continue to thrive and survive. For whatever reason, the generation of standing against Vietnam and perhaps because of the disappointment of finding out that our institutions failed us, lied to us. Maybe that's why the boomers went into a deep disappointment. And instead of working it through to change things for the future, they became institutionalized and self-focused. And so even a little 10K debt forgiveness for middle-class to poor students becomes a big deal to a selfish, selfish generation. But not me, Pastor Paul. That's not me. You must be hurt to be going after a whole generation. No, I read the Bible and I know who I am and I know what my message is to share. And it's important, guys, that you feel it through and allow this stuff to change your heart. And I'll tell you why in just a second. But first, let me share. I am going to be with my cohorts from the Evangelicalish podcast in Nashville, Tennessee. And I want you to join us there live. Come hang out with me. I will have a chance to get to interface with you. We're going to do uh, record an evangelicalish podcast there live with a live audience at the Lipstick Lounge in Nashville, Tennessee. If you go to the evangelicalish podcast, and uh, the link is in my bio on TikTok, uh, you see the graphic on YouTube or Facebook. October 1st, we will be live in Nashville, Tennessee. All the information for the event is on the website at evangelicalish.com. Again, the link, uh, the links are in my bio on TikTok or YouTube or Facebook, wherever you are. And I want you to come join us. And if you can't go, but you say, hey, I love the idea of this event and I hope you'll come somewhere near me in the future, then you can make uh, give us a gift to help underwrite the event. It's very, very expensive to fly from Fresno to Nashville right now. And so again, if you go to evangelicalish.com, you can join in with us live there. And I hope you do, evangelicalish.com. Oh, and by the way, we have a block of hotel rooms at a special rate. There are only a few rooms left. So make sure you go, evangelicalish.com. It has all the info, all the links you need for the room rates, all of those things, and the schedule. And come join us in Nashville on October 1st. So why? Why do we care about leaning in and hearing that our generation may have messed up instead of saying, well, that's not me, Pastor Paul, that's not me. Because the Bible tells us not to do that, not to deflect, not to project, not to find ways to defend ourselves. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know what is good and right and the perfect will of God in a season. That word age is not world, that evil world out there. That's what we always were told when I was a kid. Uh, Don't be conformed to that evil world out there, brother. No, that term is aeon. It means era. Don't be conformed to the mindset of your community group. Don't be conformed to your echo chamber. Don't be conformed to the right-wing media 
right-wing pulpit echo chamber that's telling you over and over things to believe without checking it out from a whole lot of different perspectives. But be transformed. That means completely changed, not tweaking your beliefs from that old-time religion. It means be completely transformed so you're not hard-hearted by the ongoing renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2 says, if we don't do that, we'll not know what is good and right in a season. And when you see all of those right-wing boomers out there, the ones that call everybody else snowflakes that are screaming because I've hurt their sensibilities of speaking against the boomer generation. It's because they've stopped with the renewing of their mind, many of them. And some of you right now are like, I'm really offended by this. And I'm sorry, I don't want to do that. I want to be liked. But more so, I want to share truth. And the truth is this. Our culture has become a hard-hearted, unthinking, selfish culture. And if we don't change, we're going to destroy it. And in some ways, I believe the boomers are beyond the ability, many of them, to change as a generation, beyond that ability to change. So let me call to you Xers. Many of you are starting to get up there in years. It gets harder to change if we're not always being flexible and challenging ourselves. And by the way, my friend Hani is 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 commenting on YouTube, that, that shows that there are boomers that can change, but it's hard in a generation that has made a determination of hell no, we won't go. But allow yourself to reflect, okay, there's something wrong with the mindset of my people group. Maybe I can think of a different way to live. Wouldn't that be amazing? So be mad at me if you want to be mad at me. Use patronizing statements like, that's not you, brother. Or I'll pray for you that, that God will heal your heart. Those are great ways to avoid thinking and introspection. But I would encourage you to stop and think, wow, I never realized that God judges people in people groups over and over and over again. And Jesus did the same. Jerusalem, how I would have pulled you together like a mother hen protects her chicks, but you chose another way. Therefore, now you no longer have an opportunity to turn around. That was Jesus speaking. The, the loving Jesus. He just loves everybody, Pastor Paul. Why don't you love everybody? Yeah, Jesus loved everybody uh, enough to treat religious people the way religious people want to treat our queer community. Yes, he did call you guys out, religious people, and said, you're beyond redemption at this point. He said, no stone of that religious system is going to be left on another. And he never bothered to say and pray that doesn't happen because God really, really, really wants to preserve it. Now he was like, it's done. Its usefulness is over. Would you think about it? Let me finish with one more statement from Jesus. Because so many of you are like, well, Jesus would never talk to people this way. Uh, Matthew 13. 
Jesus is always loving with people, Pastor Paul. He, he would never say mean things like this. Matthew 13, verse 10, Jesus' disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have is taken away from them. That is why I use parables, for they look and they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills what the prophecy of Isaiah says. When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of the people are hardened. Their ears cannot hear, and they have their eyes closed, so their eyes cannot see. And they cannot turn to me and be healed. That's Jesus talking, the ever-loving Jesus never, ever called anybody irredeemable. Oh, no, he did. He's saying so right here. And we see it in the comments, particularly from my wonderful Facebook friends. They no longer have eyes to see or ears to hear. And if that statement offends you, good, good. I'm hard-headed enough to say I'm fine with offending you. And if you want to end your subscription on my pastor-paul.com website, fine. Be mad at me. But let it also start to churn in your head of maybe there's something I haven't thought about in all of this. that the Bible speaks to people groups and generations and mindsets and principalities. And it doesn't say you get to say, I said the magic prayer, so therefore I don't have to worry about all of this. Bullshit. The Bible does not give you that opportunity. You are not afforded that chance. Jesus said, you will become a hard-hearted people with no longer eyes to see and ears to hear. And you want to know why? We have people following these crazy religious conspiracy theory, right-wing crazy thing, because they've shut off their heart to being renewed and transformed by that renewal in the season. My hope for you today is you can be offended by me say whatever thing you want to say about me. And I say, okay, cool. But let me reflect back to you what you're saying right now. Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called it being a white moderate, and it wasn't a good thing to be. I call it being in the holy, self-righteous middle. I'm not going to make anybody upset. I'm not going to be involved in any politics. You are either standing against these mindsets, or you're a part of them, or complicit to them. That is the season we're in. And that is the message I have to deliver. And I feel like heaven is telling me, give that message, Paul. They're not going to hear it. And that's okay. That's not your problem. That's their problem. And that's my message today for you. But if you allow your heart to be challenged, to work out your salvation daily with fear and trembling, your heart can be changed to see what the Spirit is actually doing in the season.
which so few Christians in America are able to do today. But the amazing thing is the end of that passage, and I'll finish with this. Jesus said to the ones who were sitting there with him, true followers of Jesus, not Christians, mind you. Jesus never converted a single Christian. These were not Christians sitting with him. These were disciples of his teaching. And he says to them, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. And I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear. But you guys are amazing. You get to hear it and see it and live it out. And that is the promise, I think, to us if we're willing to hear something different in this season. Thanks for listening. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>